Welcome to the Moses Lake Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. MLBC is led by Pastor Dennis Fountain and exists to help real people going through real life experience real change through our incredible God. We hope this message will be an encouragement to you, and we'd love to hear how God used it in your life. Let's take our Bibles this morning. Let's go to the book of Philippians. Philippians chapter number one. Philippians chapter one this morning. Philippians chapter one, and we're going to be there in in just a minute. Philippians chapter one. But I want to ask you, have you ever had a time in your life when... um, a situation when you mistook someone for someone else. When you thought somebody was somebody else. You know, a time when you talked to someone and it wasn't who you thought it was. Or a time when you walked up to somebody and it wasn't who you thought it was. There's a a number of times in my life that this has happened. I can think of one time in particular uh, in, in, in our marriage that uh, Hannah and I, we had been married, I think at the time, about two years, and we were around a bunch of friends, and, and I saw off in the distance the group of friends that we hung out with, and I saw Hannah. And so I ran up, and I put my arm around who I thought was Hannah. And I was, you know, jumped in the group, there's a guy over here, and Hannah right here, and I was like, hey, you're not my wife. And all the friends just started laughing, and they were like, why'd you think that? I was like, just running up, same hair. I was like, it's her. You're not her. Uh, I know of another story, somebody walking up behind, uh, a, a lady walking up behind who she thought was her husband and pinched the, the back of his leg. <laughs> Boop. And he turned around, and she went, Hi thought you were my husband. Sorry. <laughs> Man, you ever, have a, you ever have a time like that mistake? You're like, no, I've never done that. Well, maybe there's other times. There's somebody in this room uh, that, that when they were new to our church, I told them this story. When they were new to our church, I was sitting, many of you know, I hang out at a lot of coffee shops here in town, and, and I was sitting at a Red Door, at our Red Door Cafe, and um, I was sitting in there, and, and this fellow walked by me, and, and uh, you know, I said, oh, hey, how you doing? He just looked at me. He said, oh, I'm good. How are you? I said, oh, I'm, I'm doing well. How's your week going? He said, oh, it's, it's going well. And we talked for probably about a minute and a half. My, How's your wife? Oh, she's good. You know, we're just talking. And as I'm looking at this guy, I'm thinking, this is not who I thought it was. <laughs> and he was thinking the same. He was thinking it the whole time. And as soon as I thought this is not who I thought it was, he said, I'm sorry. We've been talking for two minutes by now. I'm sorry. Do I know you? <laughs> of course, me, I just played it off. I was like, oh, I've seen you in here before because I know I had, but I truly thought it was this family it had just started coming to our church. It wasn't him. I felt like an idiot. Of course, I didn't tell that man at that moment that I did, but later I told this fella in our church, I was like, hey, I thought I saw you this week. Just so you know, you have a twin in town. And I'm not lying. If I put these two next to each other, you'd go, yeah, they are twin brothers, but they're not. Man, you you ever had time when uh, you thought somebody was someone, but they weren't? You know, when we come to Philippians chapter one, it's our theme passage for the year. And 
as you uh, look at Philippians chapter one, Paul, he's the author of the book of Philippians. Um, he writes this book, he writes it with the, the desire to encourage the believers at Philippi. I don't know about you, but every one of us, I, I know this true in my life, I need encouragement. Do you ever need to be encouraged? Man, we all need it, don't we? I mean, you just need some time in your life when someone comes up to you and they just say, hey, I'm praying for you, or someone comes up to you and they just have a, have a word of encouragement for you. Well, this was Paul's desire for the believers at Philippi. I just want to write to you, and I want to encourage you. But what he starts with is incredible. Because what Paul starts with is this. Hey, in your life, believer, in your life, you should always have a mistaken identity. <laughs> you say, well, what do you mean, pastor? Paul writes to them in the book of Philippians, and here's what Paul says to the believers and specifically to the church, as you go through life, if you're a follower of Jesus, as you go through life, you should remind people of Jesus. As you go through life, you should look just like Jesus. Oh, it's not that someone's going to come up to you and say, hey, are you Jesus? Because I really... No, it's just as you go through life, there should be identifying characteristics and uh, uh, identifying uh, um, attributes and things in your life that you and I, if you're a follower of Jesus, that we exemplify Jesus Christ. And we're not going to take time to read the verses, but if you were to go back and you were to read Philippians chapter 1, verse 19, all the way down through verse number 26, Paul writes and he, he says things like, listen, I want to come to you and I want to be around you. And I'm going through a lot. Paul's like, I'm going through a lot of trials. At this time, Paul was in jail for, uh, for simply proclaiming the name of Jesus Christ. And so Paul is writing all of this. And he's like, listen, there's a lot going on. But here's my biggest prayer request. This is from Paul. My biggest prayer request is that Paul would look like Jesus. No matter what, whether it's a good time or bad time, ups and downs, no matter what, I am asking and I am praying that God would help my life look like Christ. And then he challenges the believers. He challenges the believers. He kind of turns the corner, if you will, in verse number 27. Look with me, verse 27, just the first phrase. Paul says this, Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. Well, what does that mean? The word conversation, in, in this it means your lifestyle. Let the life that you live be complementary of the gospel of Jesus. What's he saying? Well, it's our theme for the year. That, that one's covered up, but our theme for the year is only Jesus. That's what Paul is saying. Hey, listen, as you go through life, as you go through the ups and downs, no matter what happens, make it your goal that people see only Jesus. Let's be honest. Um, that's kind of contradictory to what we want, isn't it? It's, con it's contradictory to what we innately desire in and of ourselves because the fact is that as a Christian, all too often, we, we don't want God to be seen. We want to be seen. I mean, oftentimes in our life, we want things to point to us. We want the world to see us. We want notoriety. We want to be noticed. We want to be known. And, and listen, part of that is not sinful. 
Can I say it this morning? God created you with a unique identity and God created you with a unique character. You are the only you that will ever grace this earth with your presence. God knew that. God created you specific with need. God created you to be seen. But most importantly, it's to be seen by him. And there are times in our life when we realize, yeah, I'm seen by God, but I want everybody else to notice. Think about it this way. Oftentimes, if we're struggling, we want people to feel sorry for us. If we're doing really well, we want people to take note of our success and say, wow, good job. But in this passage, the heart of Paul says, listen, regardless of what's going on in my life, I don't want to be known. I just want to make him known. I want it to be all about Jesus. And the fact is that every single Christian, our desire should be, I just want people to see Christ. And so with that, Paul challenges the believers in the same thing. He challenges these readers, hey, let your life be complimentary of the gospel. Let your life be something that people look at and only see Jesus. But if you're here regular, then you know we say this statement, context matters. What is the context of the book of Philippians? Well, it's written to the church. It's written to the group of believers there. Yes, it's written on the individual level, but it's written for the group collectively to know and to apply to their life. And here's the awesome thing. Paul says, listen, I not only want you as an individual to be known as a follower of Jesus, but as a church, you should be known as followers of Jesus. Your church should be known as a church where, hey, that place is all about Jesus. And Paul gives us From our passage today, he gives us some specific ways that we as a church, that we can be identified like Christ. So I want you to see it with me this morning. If you would stand, we're going to read just a few verses together from Philippians chapter number one. And with this being our church's 12th anniversary, I just want us to learn that while the individual Christian must represent Christ on a personal level, Paul is going to write and say that we can live this out more effectively when we join together to do it. So take your Bible and look with me. Philippians chapter number one, verse number 27. Only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs. What do I, what do I want to hear about you? I want to hear that you are standing fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, and in nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it is given in the behalf of Christ not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. Paul says, regardless of if I'm around you or if I'm not around you, you as a local church, you as a local group of believers, you can be known as a follower of Jesus. And he gives us some specific ways. And so the question I want to answer today is this. How can we 
How can we at Moses Lake Baptist Church, how can you as a Christian, how can we live in such a way so that people consistently see Jesus? How can we follow as a church in a way that is well representing of Jesus Christ? We're going to learn, learn that this morning. And I believe it'll be a help, encouragement, and strengthen us. Let's pray and we'll get right into the word of God today. Father, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you for how you use it to apply into our lives. And God, I pray that as we go through the service this morning, I pray that you would help us. God, help us to hear from you. Help us to grow in you. Help us to be strengthened by your word. And God, this morning, if there is someone here that doesn't know that heaven is where they would spend eternity, I pray today would be the day they put their faith in you. We love you. Bless our time. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You can go ahead and be seated. As we come to this passage, answering the question, how can we as a church live so people will consistently see Christ? There's a few thoughts that Paul gives. Number one, Paul says one of the best ways for a church to look like Jesus is to be able to stand together. Stand together. I want you to notice verse number 27 when Paul says, only let your conversation be as it becometh the gospel of Christ. He says, whether I'm there or, or here, I should hear that you stand fast in one spirit. Stand fast in one spirit. The, the word stand fast, it means to stand firm. It means to stand strong. The, the phrase in one spirit, it means to be unified. So here's what Paul says to these believers. Hey, stand firm and be unified, be united as a group of believers. You know, standing firm is something that Paul uh, taught to the believers at Philippi. If you go back to Acts chapter number 16, we'll see it in just a minute, but if you go back to Acts chapter number 16, Paul and Silas, they're in Philippi, they get arrested for being followers of Jesus Christ. Here's what the Bible says, and the multitude rose up together against them, and the magistrates ran off their clothes and commanded to beat them, and when they laid many stripes upon them, they cast them into prison, charging the jailer to keep them safely, who, having received such a charge, he thrust them into the inner prison. And made their feet fast in the stocks. So here's Paul and, and Silas in prison. Paul and Silas are here, and what are they doing? They're waiting. Waiting for what? For a miracle. But you know what they did while they were in jail? They got together at midnight, and the Bible says that they sang praises to God. And you know what they did? They joined together. Paul and Silas, in unity. You know what Paul did for these believers at the church of Philippi? He demonstrated what it means to join with others and stand firm in what you believe. You know, as a church, as we think about this being a a 12th anniversary, I will say that one of the things that has helped Dennis Fountain, if if you know the history of our church, Hannah and I, We were serving on staff in Tacoma, Washington, working under my dad, loving youth ministry. I know that's hard to believe now, but uh, I was loving youth ministry, being a youth pastor. We saw uh, God doing some great things. 
But we felt a tug on our heart to do something different. And, and over the course of the next few weeks, it was uh, August of 2010, over the course of the next few weeks, God made it very clear that we were to come to Moses Lake and to start a church. And what a huge step of faith for our family. Uh, I'll let you in on a secret. I never wanted to pastor, ever. Like I was raised in a pastor's home and I was like, nope, not for me. Like, I don't want to do that let alone start a church. I never wanted to do that. You know what God did? God came down and he worked in my heart and he worked in Hannah's heart. And through the course of counsel and seeking God through his word, he put it in my heart. Hey, Dennis, I want you to start a church in Moses Lake. And so we finally, we said, okay, September, it was uh, the end of September, 2010. I remember getting off the phone. I remember sitting on the edge of the bed right next to my wife, and I looked over at her, and I said, well, let's do it. And she was like, I feel the same way. Let's go. Let's do it. The next week, the next week, we were presenting at a, at a conference, the church plant, Moses Lake Baptist Church. We had all the video, and in six months, in six months, we started. Six months later, financially able to because of churches that partnered with us and said, hey, we will give so that you can go there and plant Moses Lake Baptist Church. But here's what I'm going to say, uh, and I said at the beginning of the service, not all 12 years have been amazing. I remember sitting with my wife in the, the church parsonage right next door, and we had a little, uh, little brown leather couch that we had just got that we thought was amazing. It was fake leather, just so you know. <laughs> Yeah, and uh, we were sitting on that couch, and I remember sitting in the corner, and uh, I, I was sitting on, on this side of it, kind of L-shaped. I was sitting on this side, Hannah sitting in that corner, and, and it, was, it was about, um, let's see, it was the Christmas of 20, the Christmas of 2013 or 2014, and I remember sitting there, and we had gone through some very hard trials. My dad, of course, had been diagnosed with cancer uh, in 2011, and we were navigating that. But then in the church, in the church, we had, we had been hurt by some people, and we had some folks that, you know, Facebook was really starting to take off. We had some folks that were just, I mean, blasting us online and lying about us. And there's, there's a few folks here today that know of these stories. And I remember sitting on that couch and looking at my wife. We were two and a half years in. And I said, you know, babe, they say that the tenure of a pastor at a church is two and a half to three years. I know why. I said, I want to quit. I was like, I, I just, this is ridiculous. I didn't sign up for to come to a church to give my life to have people lie about me. That was hard. But you know what God did? God reminded me the very next Sunday. <laughs> he reminded me of my church family that was standing firm. And God brought people, and, and some of them are here today. God brought some people into my life, and, and I, I could go around and name people, but there, there are some folks, I'm, I'm going to actually, I'm gonna do it, but there was a Brian Thomas that came up to me and said, hey, pastor, don't worry about all this. God's got it. There was a Tim Stredwick that came up and said, hey, listen, I know things are tough. It's good. There was a Mike Gazelle that would come up and say, hey, pastor, let's just go tell more people about Jesus. 
There was a Tony Serrano come up and say, hey, pastor, are we door knocking this week? Let's go, me and you. What, what day are we doing? Let's go to lunch. There's a Robert Elliott that came up and would say, hey, pastor, don't worry about it. God's got this. And so many more people in this room, and if I didn't name you and you're one of those people, you know who you are. There are so many people that God brought alongside me to say this, hey, you can stand firm. You know what happens when we stand firm? We look like Jesus. And we look like Jesus. When we're standing together, we look like Christ. How, how can we stand together effectively? There's a few thoughts I want to say about this. Number one, we can stand together effectively when there's personal growth in our life. Hey, you know what helps you as an in, Hey, take the church out of it just for a second. You know what helps you as an individual stand firm? Keep growing in the Lord. Hey, keep being a believer that gets in the word of God. Don't ever take for, don't ever come to church. Well, I got my church time in on Sunday. No, you should have church time. You should have your personal worship time every day. Every day you get in scripture and you spend in time with the Lord. What, what does God do? He helps you stand firm because trials are going to come. Hey, listen, mark it down, my friend. Trials are going to come. They are a part of this life. And the Bible says that if we're not standing firm, you know what the trials are going to do? They're just going to wash us to and fro. Man, I thank God for, for the, the, the trial that our family has been in lately. I, I, I hate it. I'm, I'm honest right now. I absolutely hate it. And I can complain to you and tell you why I hate it. You know what I did last week as we had to cut our Israel trip short and come home? I was sitting in the last Sunday morning while you were worshiping. I was sitting on a five-hour, seven-hour layover in San Francisco. And I was sitting there, and it was about 9 o'clock in the morning before services started. By the way, didn't Pastor Carlos do a great job last week <laughs> preaching, except for the time when he made up the word and was like, man, I'm acting like Pastor Dennis right now, just making up words, you know? I was like, throw me under the bus, Pastor Carlos. Thank you very much. I pride myself in making up words. But you know what I did last Sunday morning? I was sitting in that San Francisco airport, and I pulled my Bible out. And I was reading in 2 Timothy, and I read 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse number 2. is my, my bro, one of my brother-in-law's favorite verses. Of course, he had just passed away 36 hours before that. And I read the things that you have heard about me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. And I thought, man, God, thank you for giving me Jim Zeke who taught that. And then I was reading in Psalm 77 where the psalmist Asaph cries out and says, God, I've cried to you and, and my heart hasn't found comfort. God, I've, I've cried to you and my heart has resisted you. But then Asaph came back to the place where he said, but God, I'm gonna remember that you are good even in the hard times. And then I was reminded of the story of, of Ruth and Naomi. And Naomi, if you know the story, she traveled uh, from Bethlehem, Judah. She traveled to Moab and lost her husband and two sons. And she came back to the place of God and she said, don't call me Naomi, call me Mara, for my name, my name is bitter. I'm a bitter person right now. And I, I remembered that story and I thought, God, I'm fighting bitterness right now in my heart. And you know what God said? Hey, remember the end of the story too. Because at the end of the story, there's a boy that was born who would be the grandson of David, who would be in the lineage of Jesus Christ. Hey, Dennis, I can use all things for my good and for my glory. You know, do you know the only reason that I was comforted last Sunday morning is just because I got in this book? Why are you saying that, Pastor? Don't neglect your personal growth. 
Hey, don't neglect growing as a believer. Why? It's going to help you stand firm. Don't neglect your personal remembrance. Remember the works of God. Uh, Every year, this has been our theme. Well, okay. Every year, this has been my theme in my head when I come to Anniversary Sunday. Anniversary Sunday is about this. Let's look back on blessings, but move forward by faith. Look back on blessings. Hey, remember God is good. Hey, remember the works of God. That's what Asaph said in Psalm 77. I will remember that you are good. I will remember that you have worked. I will remember of the great things that you have done. Hey, not all of the times are hard times, but you know what will help you and I stand firm? When we have personal growth, when we have personal remembrance, but then as a church, when we have personal involvement. Hey, you want to know what will help you stand firm in your faith? Standing with others. Standing with others. I said this morning, those of you that were here at 9.57 when I got up and I said, all right, sorry, we tricked you. The church service really isn't starting until 10.15 or 10.20. Say, Pastor, why would you do that? Because I wanted, we, we were talking about it in staff meeting a few weeks ago and I was like, you know what? I just want our church family to be able to come and just spend a few minutes together. Because if we're not careful, here's what we do. We show up, you know, if you're at the, eight, oh, by the way, 8.30 service, meet the 10.30 service. 10.30 service, meet the 8.30 service, all right? The 8.30 years, they come at 8.30 and, and come in. And man, usually those 8.30 folks are, man, they're the bushy-tailed ones. You know, they're excited about the day. Pastor's not at 8.30 in the morning. I'm over here like, man, God, oh, help me. Help me, Lord, you know. Man, but you know what? <clears throat> what happens is when we come, sometimes we get stuck in this. I come, I sing, I do the service, I leave. I don't ever get to know people sitting across the aisle from me. I don't get involved. I don't serve. I just exist. Hey, can I tell you, you can do that. You can. Anybody can come to Moses Lake Baptist Church and never do anything. That's that's fine. You can do that. But here's what I want to tell you. You miss out. What do you miss out on? You miss out on God helping you stand firm. (laughs) Because we stand firm best through personal growth, personal remembrance, and personal involvement. Personal involvement. Listen to what Jesus said and what he prayed about the church. In John 17, Jesus prayed these words, Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be as may be one, as thou, Father, art in me and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me, and the glory which thou gavest me I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be perfect in one. And that the world may know that thou hast sent me and hast loved me and hast loved them. You say, what's, what's Jesus saying? He was praying to God, God, help people that believe in us to be unified. Help people that believe in me to be in unity. I'm praying, God, that, that our, the followers are just like me and you. And... <clears throat> As a believer, this is a personal choice that we make. But as a Christian, this is a choice that we make for the church. It's a personal involvement decision. It's me saying, I'm going to stand firm with other believers. 
This world, this world and the organizations of this world, they don't think like that. I mean, you think about it, most people are always vying for a position, trying to take advantage of others, trying to move up in their organization, hurting whoever comes a, across their path that's in their way. And the organizations of this world, they, they see a little bit of success, but they eventually crumble. But listen, when you join with the church and when you stand firm with the church, you know what we're doing? We're saying, God, I'm going to stand with something that will exist forever. Hey, the Bible talks about the church worshiping God in heaven. The church isn't this building. I'm going to church. What does that mean? I'm going to gather with other believers. The church is believers gathered together. That's what it means. Ecclesia called out believers gathered together for the purpose of glorifying God, of reaching people, and of growing together. And that's the purpose of Moses Lake Baptist Church. And our purpose are these three things. We want to glorify God. We want to reach people with God. We want to grow together, grow together toward God. Someone would come up, man, Pastor Dennis, what's Moses Lake Baptist Church about? I'm going to say this. I want God to be glorified. I want people to know who he is, and I want all of us to grow in him. What does that do? It helps us stand firm. What's another way that we can be known as a Christian? We stand together. Number two, we strive together. We strive together. Now, this doesn't mean to fight with each other. I'm just throwing that out there. If you're like my, my nephews, my, of course, with my brother-in-law passing away, my nephews, many of you have met them. Uh, got, he, he has four sons and one daughter. So Levi, Jordan, or Levi Carly, Jordan, Chayden, and Dawson are the, are the five kids. But all five kids, all five of them, but specifically the boys, they have what our family has coined. We now call them Jimisms. Jimisms. They're just like Jim. And those of you that know Pastor Jim Zeke, he's been here tons of times. Uh, Jim was, uh, he is a smack talker. That's what he was. If you knew Jim, he was smack talking all the time. You know what all those boys do all the time? Smack talk. And some families, there are some families, if they ever came in at a certain time, they would think, man, this family doesn't get along at all. You know what? The fact is that our family, we, we have a great great spirit. We get along. Are there times that you don't get along with each other? Of course. But every relationship is going to have some ups and downs. When we talk about striving together, I'm not talking about the ups and downs. I'm talking about the idea of laboring together. Here's what Paul said. He said, I want to hear that you stand fast with one spirit, but also that you have one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. The word strive together, it's an athletic phrase. It means to play the sport as one team. It means to be unified in the goal. It means to uh, come alongside and to fervently give everything that you have with one mind, one mindset, one goal, one desire. Hey, here's what, here's what Paul wrote to the believers. You should, you should desire to live your life that people look at you and they only see Jesus. And here's how it happens. When you stand firm in what you believe and when you keep moving forward with other believers striving together for the faith of the gospel, striving together because of the faith of the gospel. God did not design the work of the ministry or the work of the church to be left to just a certain few. No, we should all be involved. We talked about personal involvement just a minute ago. That's the idea of striving together. First Corinthians chapter 12, uh, Paul refers to the church as a body. Some of you woke up this morning and your body didn't like you. 
some of us, you know, I, I recognize I'm still a young man, but my body hurts every now and then. This last, uh, in the last few weeks, I've slept on my bed three nights. I've been, in, I've been in beds in Israel. I've been in airplanes. Sleeping on an airplane as a six foot four, 200 and something pound man, that is not comfortable at all. If you don't believe me, just like do me a favor later. Go zip yourself up in a suitcase and you'll experience what it's like for me to sit in an airplane. I'm like, I'm going to pay whatever to sit up. Do you know how much it was? Never mind. Never mind. I looked at upgrading to first class just because I was like, man, I want to upgrade. It was $5,000. I was like, I ain't going to upgrade. I'll sleep in my suitcase. Man, you know the idea? Paul says, Paul says that the church is a body. Hey, I, I don't know about you, but sometimes my body kind of screams at me, hey, don't do that. But you know what happens? You know what works best is when my body is functioning the way God made it to, working together. It, it kind of it be messed up. If I'm like, all right, I'm going to go to that side, my left leg is like, nope. I'm like... Come on, man. Come on. You know, my leg just fought against me. That'd be kind of weird. You guys would be like, it's some sort of magic trick? What are you doing, pastor? And the church is a body striving together. We're united for the same goals, the same purposes. Paul said it this way in 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse number 9, talking about being together. He said, we are laborers together with God. Hey, you're God's husbandry. It's a vineyard. You're God's building. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse number 1, Paul said, we then as workers together with him. Hey, all throughout scripture, we are to be serving together. Didn't Jesus give us the example? Matthew chapter 20, verse number 28. It says, even the son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. And he give his life a ransom for many. You know, what, you know what we should be doing? We should be striving together, serving each other. And I'm so thankful again. I don't mean to just keep going back to our family situation, but it's fresh on my mind. But I'm so thankful for our church family that stepped up this last week. Many of our ladies to make food covered the reception yesterday. There was over 400 people at the service and about 200 of them came in to eat. And, and the ladies, that those of you that did that, listen, you stepped up in a big way. And my sister even texted me this morning, tell them thank you. Why? Because we stepped up as a church and said, hey, we just want to serve. And you know what? We were a blessing to Liberty Baptist Church. And, and I know they would do the same thing if the, rever if the roles were reversed and I had passed away. My brother-in-law would have stepped in. And I know he would have done that. What is that? That's the church coming together saying, hey, we're going to move forward together. We've got this. We're, we can do this. But not just in emergency situations. Hey, we have a ton of ways that we as a church can and should strive together for the faith of the gospel. Like our outreaches this year that we're looking at. And, and Easter Sunday. Man, Easter is right around the corner. And then we're going to be like, hey, it's New Year's already. Woohoo! we're one more year done. You know, it's life, right? Man, Easter is right around the corner. Hey, I hope that we would strive together to invite people to be at church on Easter Sunday. Resurrection Sunday, why? It's going to be a great day of just exalting God and a great day of hearing about the resurrection of Jesus and the hope that we have because of Jesus Christ. But it's not going to work if you and I as believers, as Christians, don't serve. Here's what happens. When we don't serve... We're not in unity, 
When we're not in unity, we're not looking like Jesus. But that's what Jesus said. Hey, when you stand firm in unity, when you serve together, you look like Christ. The goal of Moses Lake Baptist Church, it should be to strive together because of what Jesus has done in our lives. It shouldn't be, all right, well, I got to go greet because if I don't, pastor is going to tell me. Honestly, I don't even know who's on the greeting schedule. Ever. I'm like, am I on it today, Beth? Do I need to know? Was there something I need to do? You know what? It's not about doing it because pastor or, or the staff or somebody calls you hey, every reason I should serve should be because I love him. I just love the Lord. Paul said, I want to hear that you stand fast in one spirit, that with one mind, you are striving together for the faith of the gospel. I ask you this question, are you you fulfilling God's role for you at and through the local church? Hey, are you involved? Are Are you striving together? When we do that, we look like Jesus. He says, stand together, strive together. But notice lastly today, he says, suffer together. Suffer together. This is the hard one. If you look at the passage, verse number 28, Paul says, and nothing terrified by your adversaries, which is to them an evident token of perdition, but to you of salvation and that of God. For unto you it's given in the behalf of Christ, not only to believe on him, but also to suffer for his sake, having the same conflict which you saw in me and now here to be in me. In these verses, the church at Philippi is reminded to know that there is suffering and suffering will come. Now, now specifically in their case, Paul is like, hey, listen, you guys know I'm, I'm in jail right now because of the gospel of Christ. I don't know what's going to happen to you. Now, they had already been through a lot. But here's what Paul helped them understand. When you go through suffering, you're not alone. You're a partner with Christ. I mean, Jesus suffered, but you're also suffering with other believers around you. Now, in their context, it was suffering persecution. Now, I'll be honest today. I don't look around. I don't think there's anybody here that you've spent some time in jail because of being a Christian. Some of you might spend some time in jail for other reasons, but not because of being a Christian, right? So so let's take that suffering and put it to the side. We're probably not going to jail this week because of believing in Christ. But you know what our suffering is, is the Bible says that in this world, you're going to have trials. You're going to have tribulation. You're going to have testing. The best thing, one of the best things that you need in trials is this. Not the preaching, maybe that'll help, but the fellowship. Hey, we're together in this. Hey, we can suffer together in this. Here's what Paul writes to believers of Philippi. He said, he said to those that are persecuting you or to those who are not saved, it's going gonna, it's gonna to be like you have, used, you have used your life, life yeah, used your life, Don't use your life. Use your life. He's going to say, it'll be like you've used your life for ruinous reasons. But to you, when you go through suffering, it just reminds you the hope of salvation. Paul was in it. Jesus went through it. 
You and I will have trials, but victory, victory is right around the corner. Hey, if you know Christ, Paul said it this way, this life is but a light affliction. (laughs) Oh, I grieve the loss of my brother-in-law, but you know what? I'm gonna see him again. Why? He knew Jesus. He's with my dad. He's with my other brother. He's with all my grandparents. He's with family and friends. He's with people. I looked at people on that, on those videos that we were watching this morning. I saw uh, Barbara Kerrigan, who's in heaven, and Don Honeycutt, uh, who's in heaven, and, and uh, uh, Dolores Provost, who's in heaven, and my dad, who's in heaven. I, I was sitting back there almost breaking out in tears looking at it, thinking, man, there are a lot of people in heaven that are waiting for us. You know what? It's right around the corner. But in the meantime, being together when we suffer, God says when you do that, Paul says, it'll be like Jesus. It'll be like Christ. Jesus said it this way in John 15. He said, if the world hate you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But you're not of the world. But I have chosen you out of the world. Therefore, the world hates you. Hey, in this world, you're going to have trials, going to have troubles. But when we suffer together, we represent Christ. As followers of Jesus, the Bible tells us that we should look like him every day. On an individual level, look like Jesus. On a church level, look like Jesus. How do we do it? Stand together. Hey, be united as a church. Strive together. Hey, be involved as a church. Suffer together. Hey, be encouraging. Be together even in times of suffering. As we celebrate 12 years and as we look to the future, I think, uh, what, what should I be looking at? What should I be praying about? What should I be desiring And the thought is, I should be desiring a mistaken identity. (laughs) Will you desire a mistaken identity? See, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, where we started, would you desire that people would look at your life and they'd see Jesus? Would you desire that people would look at our church and they'd see Jesus? They wouldn't see Dennis Fountain. Oh, oh, I thought you were Dennis. No, no, no. I see Christ. I see Christ in you. I see Christ in your marriage. I see Christ in how you raise your kids. I see Christ in how you work and your ethic. I see Christ in you at school. And when we do this as individuals, it affects the church, and people should be looking at our church and saying, I see Jesus. But the fact is today that people will not see Jesus in you if you do not not know that Jesus is in you. So I close with this thought. If you died today, are you 100% sure you'd spend eternity in heaven? Do you know heaven is where you'd spend eternity? You'd say, yeah, Pastor Dennis, I do because I, I've, I'm a pretty good person. I've been baptized. I go to church. I... Listen, the Bible teaches very clearly that the only way we get to heaven, the only way that we can have a relationship with God is not through baptism. It is not through church attendance. It is not through the good works that we do. It is not through the Christian family we were born into. The only way that you and I can know for sure we're going to heaven is if we've asked Jesus Christ to forgive us of our sin 
to come into our life and to save us. You see, Jesus died on a cross over 2,000 years ago, and he died for you. He died for your sin. He died because you and I, we are sinners, and our sin separates us from God. But the fact is that he was buried, and three days later, he rose again from the grave to prove that he is God and to prove that he can be trusted. And the Bible says that the only thing that we need to do is believe. Confess with your mouth that you believe in your heart. It's asking Jesus to forgive you of your sin, to come into your life and to save you. And if you're here this morning, you'd say, man, I want people to see Jesus in me. People will not see Jesus in you if Jesus isn't there already. So if you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as Savior today, today would you choose to ask him to forgive you of your sin and come into your life and save you? If you know Christ is in your life, would you pray today, God, this week, this week help people to see you in me. God, help me to stand with others, to strive and serve with others. And God, to remember when I'm going through suffering, I can do it together with my church family. And when we do this, God, it looks just like you.